All right, brothers and sisters, uh, we're going to listen to the word of God now after a brief break for Easter. We are returning this morning to the Gospel of John and the soul-strengthening, the soul-comforting words and promises of Jesus that he's giving to his disciples before his death, before his departure from them. So let me read the passage for us this morning. I'm going to read from John 14, and I'm going to read this morning 15 to 24. This is the word of God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not, uh, pardon me, whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these great, these incredible words that you have put before us in uh, this text this morning. And we pray that you would open up our hearts, Spirit of God, help us to understand these things, help us to see the Savior, and help us to receive the gift that is you being given to us in and through the Father and the Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is saying goodbye. He's saying farewell. But whenever we say goodbye to someone, we know that in general speaking, that's very hard to do. It's gut-wrenching to say goodbye to people, especially if it's not a normal goodbye, especially if it's a time when people are going to be away for us for an extended time. Someone's moving across the country or around the world, or if a divorce is happening and you're a child who is experience experiencing a goodbye or if it's, it's a loved one and that loved one is getting ready to die the the feelings of loss and of loneliness of abandonment of of instability and of insecurity they, they kind of claw right through our flesh and cling to our hearts and to our souls and in our passage today Jesus has told them plainly that he is going where they cannot follow. And in verse 28, which is a little bit further on than what I read for us this morning, in verse 28, he says, you heard me say to you, I am going away. I am going away. But, but here's the reality. The departure of Jesus from them is not an I'm going away, period. Uh, end of the story. Take care. I'll see you in a couple thousand years when I return. It's not that. Instead, 
Jesus is saying to them, I'm going away, comma. I'm going away, comma, and now the rest of the story, I'm going away and I will come to you. Now, there's a lot that's going on in our passage today, but I want to be absolutely clear that the heart comfort, the heart promise that Jesus is giving to us in this passage is the promise of his presence with us. He's giving it to the disciples. He's giving it to us through them in full view of his departure from them with complete knowledge of what that means. Jesus is saying, I am coming to you. You're not alone. I'm not going to leave you adrift, bereft. I'm not going to leave you that way in this world. Even in this world, in the troubled world in which we live right now, I'm not leaving you that way. Now, earlier, earlier in this chapter, we, we read and looked at those great words that all of us love so much, where Jesus is talking about the future. And he tells them, listen, I'm going away and I'm going to be with my father, prepare a place for you in my father's home, and I'm going to return and take you to be with me. That's a present promise of his presence in the future. But here, in this passage, the promise of the presence of Jesus is for now. It's for the world in which we are living with all of the mess and all of the pain and all of the suffering. Jesus is saying, even though I am departing from you, I will come to you. You need to hear both things, as difficult as it may be for you to conceive of that, to accept that. It was hard for them. They didn't quite understand what he was saying at this time. Now, before I go back to this phrase, I'm, I will come to you, I, I got to put a bracket here for just a second in this sermon, and I want to talk about John 14 through 17, this entire section as a whole. And I, I want to do it this way. Outside of my window right now, I'm at home, I'm looking outside of my window, and if I look outside my window, a telephone pole is probably uh, 30 feet away from where I am right now. Of course, attached to that pole are all sorts of cables. There's probably old telephone wires that are part of it and new uh, Comcast cable wires that are part of it. And of course, there's the electrical power that's running to the house and to other houses around me as well. But if I lift up my eyes just a little bit, if I look further out, maybe a quarter mile, maybe it's a half mile, what I can see from here are the big transmission towers. I'm talking now about the big metal towers that carry the heavier cables on them, the heavier transmission lines for more power, which then gets distributed down to these smaller poles that we all know and see and might have like I do in our backyard. Well, hanging on those transmission towers are the transmission lines, the transmission cables. Now, those cables, as I understand it, and I'm not an engineer, but I did have this idea this week that I wanted to think about those things, are a cable that is called an aluminum conductor steel reinforced cable. Aluminum conductor steel reinforced. And if we took that cable, and we cut it and we turned it on end and what we looked at and we looked at it, what you would see is that there's a core. There's, there's a core of, of wires that are right in the middle together, a core of cables that are twisted together. And then around that are, is a series of concentric circles that are made up of smaller uh, wires and cables. Those are the aluminum wires that are wrapped around the core. And the aluminum is actually what's carrying the power. It's the conductor, it's carrying the power along those cables. But what's inside, what's providing the strength for those cables to be able to hang up there and not break, is actually steel 
cords that are in there, steel reinforced cables that are in there and are twisted together. The strength of those wires is found in the steel. And, and to bring that back to this passage and to John 14 through 17 in general, there's a whole lot of conductivity that's going on in these passages. Many things that Jesus is talking about and explaining to us in terms of things like the, the power of prayer that we have, the gift of peace that he will give to us, the gift of strength and courage, uh, the call to love, which is found eight times in our passage this morning, uh, the call to keep all of his word and all of his commands, which is likewise central in our passage this morning. There's a whole lot of things that are conducted around a core. And, and the question for me is, what supports all of that? What, what is the thing that provides the strength for all that Jesus has said and all that he has promised? What does it hang on? And the answer in this section of scripture is the Trinity. The Trinity, the eternal love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the eternal glory and glorification that takes place within the Trinity. Inside, providing the strength for everything that Jesus is saying here is a cord of three strands, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that cord of three strands will never be broken, and everything that Jesus is explaining hangs on that. We're talking today actually about the presence and the joy of the presence of God in our lives, but our salvation and our perception of the presence of God does not hang on our love, which is called for in this passage, or our ability to keep the word of Jesus, which is called for in this passage. Instead, it rests on something far firmer, and that is the relationship of the Trinity. That's why, from two weeks ago, it's so important when Jesus says to them, believe me, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or in the middle of our passage today, in that day, in the day when I take up residence in you, you will know that I am in the Father. It's essential for us to know that Jesus is in the Father. And we have become participants. We've been become partakers, if you will, wrapped around something that has existed, a relationship that has existed from all eternity upon which the world hangs. And everything in these, these chapters hangs on that. Now, back to our passage. So Jesus has instructed us in faithful praying. Jesus has instructed us in obedience and in love. And it begs the question, well, how do we do that? Or how do we be that? Or how, how do we have all of that without you? If, if you're not going to be here, how do we have that? And the answer from Jesus is, I am going to my father. And I am going to ask my father. And my Father is going to send you another helper, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. My Father is going to send him in my stead. I have been with you as your helper, and now he, another, like me, will come to you. And all of the benefits that you have experienced from me, you will experience from him, and, and it'll be even better. It'll even be better. Jesus has spoken of the Spirit throughout uh, the Gospel of John. Think of Nicodemus. The Old Testament talks about the Spirit of God. The Spirit is not new, but the Spirit is going to be creating a newness within us because 
of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so in light of his upcoming departure, Jesus doesn't say to the disciples, listen, I'll be with you as long as you treasure me and remember me. As long as you remember me, I'll be with you. Instead, what he says to them is that in the absence of my person, in the absence of my person, I am sending you another person to be with you forever. Personhood, the personhood of the Holy Spirit is with us. Not just the power of the Holy Spirit, the personhood of the Holy Spirit is with us. It's, it's translated helper. And unfortunately, there's just not a great English word that captures the essence of this Greek word. Sometimes we could use helper, but helper seems to diminish the role of the Holy Spirit. You might find comforter to be there. Uh, comforter's good and it's helpful, uh, but sometimes comforter has another meaning for us, a nice cozy blanket that we throw on when it's cold. Uh, friend might be something we would use, but that's too casual for this. Advocate is another word that is used. This word had a technical meaning uh, of a legal counselor, an advocate. It doesn't seem to have that in this particular context, uh, but that sounds a little too formal for here. A protector, a guard, a counselor, none of the words quite seem to fit. But if you put all those together, if you put them all together, Jesus is basically saying, I'm going to send you someone like me. Like me. In fact, the, the someone the spirit that I'm going to send to you, the helper that I'm going to send to you, he's going to minister to you and manifest to you my presence. That's what he does in essence. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, this begs the question for us and it begs the question for the disciples. And what do you mean you will come to us? Do you mean like after the resurrection, there's going to be appearances of Jesus. Certainly it has that as part of the meaning of it. That's incredibly strengthening for the disciples, the appearances of the resurrected Jesus to confirm that the resurrection has taken place. But it seems to be more than that. Do you mean uh, that you will come for us in the way that in the future you will come for us and take us up to the place that you've prepared for us? Well, that's certainly true. We just saw it in the beginning of the chapter. But the emphasis here seems to be rather on something that is, that is more imminent than that. It seems here that Jesus is promising his present presence to the church. Present meaning particularly here from the day of Pentecost, from now until the return of Christ. And that includes us. So Jesus says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. It's the promise of indwelling, of being with us. And, and, and the reality is it turns out it's getting awfully crowded in our otherwise lonely souls. Uh, we're not alone. We're not orphans. Now, the world cannot see this and Jesus is making this point. This is, this is not something you can test scientifically improve the presence of this no matter how many tests you have available to you in a worldly sense instead what jesus is saying is that this is a manifestation that will be experienced by the people of god by the saints of every age felt by the saints of every age and apprehended or seen through the eyes of faith of all of the works that the spirit of god the helper is going to do 
ministering to us and manifesting for us the person and the presence of the Father and the Son is the greatest. The, the Spirit of God, if you will, takes us, takes us by the arm and ushers us into the presence of God and presides over our ingrafting into the eternal union. To, to use that, that illustration before, the Spirit presides over grabbing hold of us and wrapping us around the steel that is holding all things for all eternity. And the result of that, the result of that is that we live because he lives, because we're connected to him. We live because he lives. We love because he loves. And now, now we keep his word not merely because of some external compulsion to keep his word, but, but we keep his word because of an internal combustion that has taken place in our hearts. The spirit of God has come into our hearts and caused a fire, an explosion to start there, a reaction that will be completed at the return. We've got a fire inside of us because the spirit of God dwells within us. And the Spirit of God enables and teaches us of the presence of Jesus, the truth of Jesus' words, namely that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And, and so here's, here's what Jesus wants to say. My going away is a good departure. It's not a bad departure. And it's a good departure because Jesus has sent another. You're not alone. Now, I know some of us are in homes that feel awfully lonely right now. Maybe we're in, in, in isolation and we're in an apartment and we just would love to see some other people, to hold some other people, to hug some other people, to be in their presence. What was being said by our Lord in this passage is you are not alone. You're worshiping perhaps by yourself this morning. Almost, I've got a count right in front of me. Almost every single unit, every single person and family in our church is gathered right now for this worship service. We can't see everybody, but everybody is united together in the worship of our God. The psalmist said this, whither shall I go from thy spirit? And where shall I flee from thy presence? And the answer is, there's nowhere you can go. You can't get isolated from the Spirit of God. Praise God. Jesus said, my Father will send another. Jesus said, I will come to you. And Jesus said, I and my Father will make our home with you. And so, brothers and sisters, you are not alone. Great God in heaven, help us, help us to know Teach us that you are always nigh, always near.